father. Good morning, John Ray. Welcome to episode 53. 53. What's a, what's a good thing attached to 53? Well, five plus three is eight, which the is eight. one more than seven, and seven is biblical. And eight Beatitudes. Oh, yeah. We're is, talking about that today. That was, uh, that was last week's. Uh, the deacons preached on the eight Beatitudes. Uh, so five plus three. There we go. Oh, wow. that's why I don't remember what the homily was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the deacon, preaching, deacon preaching weekend. There deacon preaching. Say that five times fast. Nah. <laughs> no, no way. Well, I mean, welcome back to you. People um, seemed a little distressed because we haven't had an episode in a few minutes. What was it? We didn't have one last week, but we had one before. Maybe. I don't okay. remember. The, uh, I think it's been two weeks since we've recorded. Okay, okay. The, uh, you were yeah, on retreat. I was on retreat for a little bit. Uh, Father Brady, you know, I, I, a few months ago, I scheduled some time off uh, because during the Advent and Lenten season and Christmas season, Easter season, me and Father Brady both uh, avoid time off because of just the heavier workload in regards to sacrament. Not so much of like meetings or anything, but sacramental-wise, it's heavier. And so um, a few months ago, I scheduled, you know, after the, the Advent and Christmas season to have a, a little bit of time off. And Father Brady said, yeah, well, why don't you take this time off too? And so he actually extended my time off. So I got in a retreat at the beginning. So he kicked you out is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. He was tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> he was tired of me. Oh, well, so he gave me a little bit of extra time off. You know, it's a week, um, which is a lot. It is a lot. And, um, and so I had a, a little three-day retreat, Community of Jesus Crucified, just three days of silence, um, private reading and, pre- and chanting the office with the religious community there. Uh, people I've known for years, um, I'm very close with. And so I did a three-day little silent retreat, and then I went uh, with a friend of mine. We went close out the duck season out in Arkansas. We didn't get our limit every time, uh, but what was really impressive was just the shots we were taking. You know, every duck on the nose, the end of the season is, is harder hunting because the ducks aren't done. They're, they've seen all your spreads. They've seen all that. So uh, the shots we were taking were very, I, I saw a few guys that make shot. they made shots, I'm not even joking, 60 yards. Wow. 60 yards into the wind. And uh, the people that don't hunt, this is all going to sound super superfluous, but, you know, they're not using tungsten rounds. They're using steel, which is, you know, it, with big ducks, you know, you really, and especially at that distance, you want tungsten. And eventually, I mean, if you put three rounds in them, you're going to pay the, round, the cost of tungsten anyway. Mm. So, but we were using, of course, steel. My choke was good up to about 40 yards, but I made a few 50-yard shots. So that's what was very satisfying. The shots that we made into the wind, the big ducks, nice. Well, I'm glad you had a good retreat. Yeah, the <laughs> retreat was, was great. The season, wow, the hunting season was the best hunting season of my life. So I'm very happy about that. Well, I'm glad that you're living your best life or we're here holding down the fort. Yes, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember Father Brady said, you know, during uh, Advent, we can't really take any time off. And I said, oh, that's hunting season. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the ducks. You know, that's the deer. So, but, you know, all for the glory of God. Sure. Um, before we jump in, I saw something on online somewhere about a speaking series that's about to start. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, we're actually going to be putting it in the bulletin. I'm sure that they've been putting it on Facebook, or maybe they have. Um, 
It's a four-part series that I'm going to present. Mm -hmm. You've been talking about it for a few minutes. Yeah, it's uh, it's called actually what is it called? Made for Greatness. Yes, that's, that's it. A, that's what we're calling it. Made for Greatness. It's a four-part series, and it's covering the basics. The idea that this came from is honestly the same reason why I would want to do a podcast, or the same reason why I put new literature in the back of the church. Or the same reason why I put a lot of time and effort into studying for my homilies. Very often, people tell me, "Oh, Father, you know my kid. I send my kids to Catholic school. Oh, they know way more than me. You know, I did. Uh, I they yeah, I didn't know all that and stuff like that." And the the average gr level of understanding for the faith is at a sixth grade level. That's the average. That, to me, that's unacceptable. I'm not saying that people have to study the faith intentionally or like, or like, uh, like intensely uh, go get some type of degree. But I mean, like at a sixth grade level, I mean, would anybody be satisfied if their, and their retention for anything was at a sixth grade level? No. Oh, and so I, asked, I, I would ask the question, when's the last time you read a book? Or like even listen to a YouTube thing on the faith, right? And so I, I have this strong desire to teach the faith because I was never really taught the faith, right? I, by my family, of course, right? Uh, by living the faith. But in regards to like going to a Catholic school and learning about the faith and stuff like that, that never happened for me. And so this talk series is from coming from a desire of me wanting to teach the faith in an accessible way for as many people as possible. The first talk will be on scripture, sacred scripture. The second talk on the sacraments. The third talk on Catholic morality. And then the last talk will be more of a spiritual talk. It will be on the seven sorrows of Mary. Now those first three, they will be about 30, 45 minute talk. And then I'll open it up for questions for whoever wants to be there. And I'll most likely provide like little flashcards. So if somebody wants to write an anonymous question and they don't feel comfortable like asking in front of a crowd or something like that, then at the next talk, I would try to get to those two, right? Try to answer them. Um, on, the, on the little promotion thing, it says college age on up. And it's not because I'm talking about like sensitive issues. It's mostly because I want adults or young adults, whoever, college on up, to learn about the faith and ask questions that they feel comfortable asking in front of other people, right? So like, for instance, I don't want, I wouldn't want someone to come in and like, say like, um, like for my morality talk, uh, someone to have a question about, you know, natural family planning, or a sexual reproductive issue, or, you know, whatever, right, in regards to that sensitive topic, and uh, little kids be around, and they kind of shy away from asking that question because there's kids there. I would like it, it the, the idea I'm having is a fireside chat with Father. You invite Father over for dinner. So we're going to build a fire in the in PLC? The we'll see how big it gets. If the yeah. diocese risk manager is listening, just tune out. You can come too. <laughs> Bring marshmallows. Just, yeah, yeah, but remember, you're off. You're not working on it. <laughs> uh, so th the idea, like, you know, everybody, a lot of people invite a priest over for dinner, and then they, 
and and not in an accusatory way, but in a legitimate way, they they ask questions. What about that and this and that? Well, I mean, that's a I love that. That's beautiful, right? Why would you not ask those questions rather than just hold them in? And so that's what this is about. It's about people, grown-ups, learning about the faith in a grown-up type of way rather than just like a kid, sixth-grade way. It's about increasing people's knowledge of the faith in a legitimate way. And so it would be 30, 45-minute talks, uh, 30, 15-minute uh, Q&A after. The last one, a spiritual talk, it would be because it's closer to Good Friday. All of these talks will be on Tuesday at 6 p.m. in the PLC, the Parish Life Center, where we have, you know, breakfast, donuts and stuff after our morning masses on Sundays. So I hope there'll be a big turnout um, or as, as, as big of a turnout as it needs to be. So. So come out February 28th in the PLC. What time? 6 p.m. It'll be, I, I believe, 6 p.m on Tuesdays, um, and you'll be out before seven. It's an in and out thing. It's not, you don't have to come. We're not, we're not providing food or call, you know, you're just coming in, you're listening to a 30 minute talk, uh, 45 minute talk. You could stay for the Q and A if you like, and then you peace on out, or you could stay for as long as you want. It's a very open door type of thing. Cool. All right. So check that out. More information in the bulletin on the website and probably on our social medias. Yes. Made for greatness. There we go. So 53, episode 5 plus 3 is 8, 8 Beatitudes. Jesus talked about salt and light yesterday, which were the end of the Beatitudes. What do you have to say about that? Everybody's dying to hear you right now. Yeah. They're going to die after they hear me. Why haven't we had podcasts? (laughs) Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, everybody's like, Where's the podcast? Where? I haven't heard it. Oh, man. Okay, well, there's a lot of They don't want to pressure. listen to me. A lot of pressure, but we, let's see if we can make it happen. So we'll start in the Old Testament. Um, people, we have to remember that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. Right? They're, they're complementary of each other. Right? So Moses in the Old Testament ascended a mountain, Mount Sinai, and received the Ten Commandments from God. Those Ten Commandments was the beginning of what's called the law. The law is how God governed the entire Old Testament, the people, Israel, all of them, on how to be a nation dedicated to God. The Jewish faith, religion, the law, was how God enacted with humanity. So the Ten Commandments, in a sense, we'll just say in a nutshell, is a big deal, a really big deal. Moses ascended that mountain, received the Ten Commandments, came down and gave it to the people. Okay, let's fast forward to Jesus now. Jesus ascends. Assembly. I'm glad we got to talk about the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't get uh, crazy in the gravy. Can't do that. All right. All right. We'll see if I get a response for that one. Let's, let's put a little spice in the sauce. You see what I did? We're talking about salt today. Yeah. A little salt in the... There we go. Uh And so Jesus ascends a similar mountain to teach. But Jesus is not receiving something from God uh, from on high. Jesus is now giving something. Jesus ascends a mountain and gives the eight Beatitudes. The eight Beatitudes is the completion of the law. 
God gave the law in the Old Testament. Now God is giving the spirit of the law. The eight Beatitudes is much greater than the precepts of the Old Testament because now they're talking about not just your actions, but your heart, which is a weighty thing. You read those eight Beatitudes and everyone can see how we fall short. short. The eight Beatitudes demands a lot. And that was last week. This week, Jesus, right after giving those eight Beatitudes to all of his disciples, all of his followers, he encourages, right? Because you can listen to those eight Beatitudes and you could just about imagine that, man, I can't do that. You know, I haven't been doing that. Or, man, I, who can do that? Well, here, Jesus gives encouragement. He encourages by showing the dignity of the apostles and those disciples that are following him. Jesus is encouraging them by reminding them of how important they are and how important this faith is, and that this faith, this what I'm giving you, is not just for you, but it's for the entire world, right? And so whenever people get discouraged about trying to meet a bar, a mark, right, you encourage them, how? By reminding them of who they are, what they can be, what they can do, you, and reminding them of their dignity. Right, And so, that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus gives them um, great encouragement in our gospel today. You are the salt of the earth. You are a light to the world. And so, he's, he's given that encouragement. Now, the, in my homily, I, kinda t- I, I, I broke open three of the images. The salt of the earth, light to the world, and a city set on a mountain. For the salt of the earth, I'm, I'm kind of assuming, maybe it's a bad assumption, but I'm just assuming that our listeners listen to my homily, <laughs> since it's beyond the homily, you know? But, you know, if not, I'll just kind of recap in 20 seconds or less. If not, then scroll to the episode above this one and, and, and give it a it. listen. Yeah. And so for the salt of the earth, I talk about how salt was used not only for seasoning food, but preserving food from rot from, um, oh, what else? Oh, in Le- the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, every sacrifice that was offered to God had to be sprinkled with salt. And the last one was that kingdoms, when overcoming each other, would throw salt on the ground to kill the vegetation to make sure that nothing grew there. But something I didn't bring up was a deep reflection throughout the history of the church on how salt is made. I thought that was pretty interesting. Salt is made uh, through water, wind, and heat. The water, this is from the tradition of the church, um, water through baptism, wind through the breath of the Holy Spirit within the person at confirmation, and fire, or heat, right, from the sun, heat from the fire of love. And there's a deep reflection in regards to how baptism, confirmation, and the power of love enacted within an individual, the soul, um, makes them change the world. Right? It, 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 and they become the salt of the earth on which everything is, is given. And so, 
that was something I didn't bring up in my homily. Um, of course, with the other images, salt preserving the meat from rot because there was no refrigeration, that as, as disciples of Christ, we cannot live a sinful life. We cannot bask in the glory of debauchery. That's not, uh, that's not okay at all. And so whenever uh, people are living a sinful life very openly and they're Christians, that is uh, a scandal. And it's not okay. And it's one of the reasons why the world is put off by Christians. Yeah. Right? It, because, of the, because of those of us who live this duplicit life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't struggle with sin. That's not, that's not what it means. Sure. It means when you bask in the glory of debauchery, you're not a follower of Christ. I would even say that it, 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 it goes even further than just sin, right? And it's still sin. But when we judge people and when we condemn them, and when we, I mean, that's sinful, but I don't know if we always think about that as sinful, right? But those self-righteous Christians, right? And I've been one who condemn others, but we don't look at ourselves in the mirror, mm. right? Yeah. No, you, you look at the, the splinter in your brother's eye mm -hmm. and you have a beam in your own. So preserving from rot means that as disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, we preserve ourselves from sin. We don't live that life. Um, by the sacrifices, right? Uh, sacrifices were sprinkled with salt. Uh, as according to the book of Leviticus. Um, so our sacrifices are offered to God. We are the salt of the earth. Every trial, tribulation that we endure can be salvific. We cannot see our sufferings, whatever they are, whether physical, emotional, mental, whatever. We cannot see our sufferings as, uh, as something that separates us from God. We cannot see that. Right? St. Paul says, who can separate us from God? Trial, tribulation, the sword, neither angels nor, nor tribulations can separate us from the love of God. And so our sufferings truly unite us to Christ. In fact, in this life, it's more of our sufferings that unite us to Christ than our, than our uh, successes or our joys. Because in this life, I cannot really relate to Christ glorified. In the next life I can, because I too will be glorified if I run the race. But in this life, I can imitate Christ crucified, which is, comes from our second reading for this Sunday, that I proclaim Christ crucified. In my trials and tribulations, I can, I should, Offer them to Christ and, and really, truly believe that they make me closer to Christ. Right? That was the purpose of salt and for those sacrifices. And then lastly, um, you know, salt being sprinkled on the ground to kill the vegetation. Uh, where Christians are, sin should die, not thrive. When kingdoms would conquer each other, uh, they would lay waste to the buildings, the people, the livestock, but then also the vegetation, the, the whole ground, right, to show their dominance. And they did that by 
throwing salt on the ground. If you threw salt on the ground, nothing would grow. And so in the same way, where Christians are, where, where believers, disciples of Christ are, there should be no sin or sin should die. And so in our nation, are we a sinful nation where sin thrives or is it a virtuous one where God triumphs and reigns from on high? As Christians, we are called to make sure that Christ reigns. Not only in our family, not only in our little civilization, you know, but in the country. It's our job. And so people should not complain about the time and the place that they were born. Christ put us here for an, at this time, this place, this location for a, for a reason. To make sure that he is defended in the public square. And so that's uh, salt, salt of the earth. Uh, the other one, the next one I used, um, what was that? The light of the world. The light of the world uh, illumines. That's that candle we get at baptism, right? Yeah. Yeah. The candle that we receive at baptism that's lit from the Easter vigil candle, that's a good image for the light of the world. Mm. The Easter vigil, the Easter candle. The Easter vigil... At the Easter Vigil, if you've ever been there, uh, all the lights, all the lights in the church are off, right? It's pitch black. And then from outside the church, there is a candle, a big one, our Easter candle. And it's being lit by the fire, a bonfire that's outside. The bonfire is God. Or we're talking about symbolism right now. The bonfire is God, and the Easter candle is the humanity of Christ. So the Easter candle. God comes in and breaks into the darkness of the world. And then from that light, everyone lights their own candles from. And these are the baptism, the Christians, the followers of Christ. We illuminate the world. And so a light, we're called to be the light of the world. That's a beautiful image, and I wish I would have thought of that. You're welcome. Yeah. We should have had this a week I've ago. I've been telling you you should consult with me on your homilies. <laughs> so there's, um, but in my homily, I talked about how light illumines, but it also uh, scatters the darkness. Um, it illumines. Because darkness is the absence of light, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also another cool image, if you think about it, in, in, in context to our faith, right? Sin is the absence of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it illumines the dignity. We are called to illuminate the dignity of others. Sin, the absence of God, is just when people forget their own dignity and when they, and they act like it. Right? If we knew our dignity as children of God, we would never play in the mud of sin. We would never uh, live a sinful life. We'd never commit a sin if we knew our dignity, if we truly remembered who we were, who we are. Um, you know that cookbook is like, uh, what's it called? It's like, who's your mama? Can you cook a roux? And are you Catholic? Something like that. Who's your mama? Are you Catholic? And can you make a roux? Yeah. That's and, the cookbook. Yeah. And so like in, in Cajun culture, you know, for those that aren't from the Cajun heartland, um, if when kids are misbehaving, you'll say, "Who's your mom? Who's your who's your mom and dad?" Right? Who who are you? You know, they want to know who you, what your last name is because everyone knows each other. 
And then once they find out very often, they said, I can't believe, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they act like that, you know? And so, um, with that, they, we reminded who we are. As Christians, we are called to help remind people of the world that they are children of God, and we need to act like it. And the light dispels our fear, right? It is a very, uh, it takes courage to live a virtuous life and to help others live a virtuous life. And so, we need that. The faith dispels our timidity. Timidity? Means that we're scared. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you use all these big words. Yeah. You act you like go. you're not from Scott. And so, um, the faith dispels my own fear, gives me courage. Just like what Jesus is doing in this sermon, he's helping dispel the fear of his disciples. And he's giving them courage to live up to their dignity. And that's the light. And then Christ he gives this image, a city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. I was praying with it, and it was an image that I thought of. It was something I thought of, but then, uh, you know, after I pray with the gospel, I do research and stuff like that on it. And it was nice to know that, you know, a church father, St. Hilary of Portier, said this, right? Because, I, you know, I didn't know. It's, I was going to say it anyway, but it's nice to know that someone else said it. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit moves consistently, right? Yeah, especially when, you, when you're constantly exposed to the, you know, to this line of thinking, like the church fathers, the early Christians, and what they believed, you begin to think like this, rather than like the ways of the world. If you constantly expose yourself to the ways of the world, well, you're going to think like that. Right? So people that constantly watch the news, or they, they're constantly watching this, are exposed to this, and that now they're not scandalized by it anymore. Oh, well, that's because you, St. Paul says, you know, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good faith. Mm. And so, you got to keep good company. And so when you, when you constantly expose yourself to good teachings and stuff, you begin to think like that. And so, and so, and so when I was praying with it, St. Hilary of Poitiers said what I was praying with. And the image that came to me, which was very reaffirming. He said, St. Hilary of Poitiers, first off, was a church father and uh, lived very early on. And one of, the, one of my favorite commentaries on sacred scripture, I, anything that he writes, I actually really love. Uh, he's probably one of my favorites in regards to scripture. Uh, St. Hilary said that the city set on a mountain is not referring to the disciples anymore. That's why Jesus doesn't say, you are a city set on a mountain. Jesus just says, a city on a mountain cannot be hidden. The city set on a mountain is the Catholic Church. St. Hilary Poitier says that the light that illumines the city is Christ, and the city itself is the church. So Jesus, so let's bring it all back. Let's, let's make it full circle. Uh, Moses, who ascended a mountain to receive the law to govern the church of the Old Testament, Christ, who ascends a mountain to give the, the spirit of the law, is now establishing that very city on the mountain. 
He has ascended a mountain to start that city, the church. And so that city set on a mountain is Christ's church, of which the whole world looks to for for, for, for a moral compass in regards to the faith. The faith should be spread throughout the world. The world should look to the Catholic faith, especially in regards to morals. Look, uh, who else are we going to look to for morality? Politics? Individuals? Even sacred scripture. We have politicians now that are, uh, that are weaponizing sacred scripture to uh, defend great evils like abortion. And so who do we look to to interpret sacred scripture to give the morals? Or like when a moral conundrum comes, who's going to solve it? It should be the, the church. That city set on a mountain of which the whole world looks to. Here, Christ shifts, not to his disciples, but to himself and the church that he is about to start. It was, it was, very, it was very powerful. I like it. Well, in the church... Saints are made because of the graces received from through the church and then through her sacraments, right? Yep. And so that city set on a hill can also be the church and the group of us, right? The saints in the making. And like the Mother Teresas that exist today in the world who are living, breathing saints, right? And it's all because of the church. And so, like, every human being, we've said this before, is essentially a stained glass window. When we let the light of Christ shine through us, that's when our true beauty, what we're made to be, comes forth. If there's no light of Christ, well, then it's just another window, very plain, uh, nothing special about it. Might as well put blinds on it. But a beautiful stained glass window, like we have in our own church here uh, or throughout the world, when you let the light shine through, that's when the glory I like it. This is a great episode. Oh, 53. 5 plus 3. 8. 8, which is one more than 7, and which is biblical. And one less than 9, which is the 9 choirs of angels. Mm. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with a friend. Um, like us and follow us on your podcast listener of choice. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend at Mass. Until then, God bless. God bless. God bless.